on another episode of the Real Mission I Impossible show. We're just delighted to bring people who have lived extraordinary lives and can share some of their adversity stories, as well as some of their ambitions and inspirations with us. Today uh, is no different. Uh, today, I, I have a young lady who I had actually crossed paths with, although we never met in my travels and as my experience as a speaker out in the area of the GCC and Dubai. And her name is Julie Lewis, and she is an author. She's an adventurer. She's a mountaineer. She's a, almost a daredevil, some of her friends might say, but she's always up to a challenge. And she's not now on her second book or a new book that she's working on. I saw this uh, just recently, and I said, gosh, why do I not have this wonderful, extraordinary human <laughs> on our show? Julie, thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. And this is just amazing that we can connect across the miles. You know, it's your morning, my evening. And, uh, you know, we're worlds apart, but there's so many common threads in terms of what we do and how we serve the world. And uh, so I, I'm just so super happy, especially as today, the 11th of December, it's International Mountain Day. Well, what a better day. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I mean, it, yeah. it's, been, it's meant to be. I have yes. uh, I have great admiration for what I've known about you so far. Uh, I'm going to ask you if we can just kind of unpack a little bit of your story here so that we can sure. get into it. And let's kind of go back, if you don't mind. Um, let's go back to how you got to the UAE uh, yes. and why, and then you know, take it from there. Yes. Well, my background's in sports science, and uh, I'm originally from the UK. Um, my father gave me a globe many, many years ago when I was around seven, and that's not the original one on this side. It's a, it's another one. Um, and we used to play this game, Spin the Globe, and I used to kind of put my finger on and say, that's where I want to go, and I'd have wild dreams that evening, and I think, I'm going to the Middle East, I'm going to Africa, I'm going to the Amazon and everything. And, and kind of one day I was brushing my teeth in the mirror thinking, what happened to that young girl that said she was going to travel everywhere and do all these wild things? Um, and I had the opportunity to take up a post in Kuwait initially as a sports and recreation manager in 1989 at the tender age of 27. Um, so off I went, uh, the first female recreation manager in Kuwait, that was the beginning of my adventures because I was there when Iraq invaded in 1990, um, hid for about three weeks and then whoosh, escaped across the desert back into the UK and stayed in the UK for a while. But the Middle East had really kind of uh, really got a calling um, to me. So I went back uh, to the UAE, uh, to Kuwait in 1994, stayed there for three years, kept popping across to Dubai thinking, Mm, Dubai seems a little bit more open towards women in sport. Maybe I can take a little look there. So in 1997, MJ, I moved across to the UAE from Kuwait, still keeping in the sports background industry. So managed, you know, five-star hotels, sports resorts, met tons and tons of people and was really, really kind of very, very settled. Um I then had a kind of quite a shift in my personal uh, circumstances. At the time, I was married to a professional squash player. Uh, he collapsed with a heart aneurysm and never got back up again. So this whole, um, you know, storm or being blown off a metaphorical mountain uh, was sent my way. And um, eventually, I kind of looked back up and thought, 
what am I going to do with this now? How do I deal with this? I've got this blank canvas now. Um, and I decided to go and climb a mountain <laughs> for my 40th birthday, as one does. Um, people say, what are you doing? You know, why aren't you thinking about getting remarried or, you know, moving or going back to the UK and thing? I said, no, no, no. I just have this really strong calling to go and climb a mountain. So in 2002, for my 40th birthday, I managed to cajole five others of my friends to come to Malaysia and climb Mount Kota Kinabalu at 4,095 meters, which from sea level here in the UAE is, is kind of, it's quite, it's a mountain. Um, on top of that mountain, MJ, I had this kind of epiphany. There I am, on, I'm on a mountain, I'm on a natural high, and I thought, mountain high, that would be a really good name for a, an expedition company. Um, so I came literally running down the mountain, so alive, so full of joy, came back. Uh, one of the local newspapers wanted to interview me because there had not many women go and climb the mountain for their 40th birthday or even want to talk about their 40th birthday. And all of a sudden I was getting calls and emails and everything from other people, in particular women that said, I'm going to be 40, I'm going to be 50, I want to go and climb a mountain. So in 2003, I took a team of women to Everest Base Camp in Nepal. We raised around $80,000 for a mobile breast screening unit. I came back from that trip and I said, I was born to do this. So I resigned from my job and I started the first female-led expedition company in the UA called Mountain High in 2003. And literally for the last 21 years, I've been running uh, retreats, expeditions, um, speaking about, you know, leadership lessons from the ends of the earth, from nature, resilience, courage, confidence. Um, so it all pulls in from that, you know, sporting background, you know, adversity, you know, the hero's journey, the rites of passage, going to the mountain, finding answers in the mountain and having the, you know, the courage uh, to take a leap of faith to actually make that happen. And so, that little girl with the globe, spinning the globe at seven, finally, 33 years later, she was kind of taking people around the globe saying, look, isn't this amazing, you know, and coming back and sharing stories. So that's really uh, how it all started. And people said, well, what are you doing in the Middle East? And my answer is because it's in the middle and it's easy to go to Asia, to Europe, to Africa, to everywhere. And we have a very, very strong expat community here, MJ, as you know, uh, which means people are already open and curious about different cultures, challenges, and have an open mind. Um, so it's a kind of captive market for me because people are curious. They do want to challenge themselves, learn about new cultures, and experience the world through all of their senses, not just through screens. <laughs> so that's how it all began. And, you know, the kind of books um the the stories the speaking um all evolved around you know wanting to help individuals teams and organizations to become the most resilient healthy globally experienced team that they could possibly be really and 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 that's how it all started from a builder's daughter from yorkshire <laughs> So, yeah, you know, nothing is impossible. I am possible, as as you say, you know, it's just you have a dream. And when the great adventures offered, you just say, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Amazing. I, I I didn't want you to stop talking because I was just sitting here. No, 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 no. I, was, <laughs> yeah. I was being so entertained and, and just my mind was was going places because you were. I mean, you were just all over <laughs> everywhere. And, and and what an adventure, what a journey. And and it continues. Of course, you of did course. a huge summation, but can we drill down into I me? Mean, just a couple of little questions. Yeah, you brought up. Yeah. You said you hid three weeks in Kuwait. Where did you hide? Um, I was working at the Holiday in Crown Plaza, Kuwait. So I hid in the hotel, which was, you know, it it was fairly easy. I mean, most of the uh, soldiers and tanks and everything were looking at strategic locations, telecommunications, oil wells, etc. So we were pretty much left alone. Um, and at the time, you know, there was a lot of long-staying guests in the hotel that used to do my circuit training classes. And they used to, they said, look, you know, we've got a guide. We're going to have a safe passage across the desert into Saudi. Come with us. And at first I said, no way. <laughs> I can't abandon my job, you know, and leave my staff and and not let the British embassy, because, I, you know, I'm British, not let them just say I'm leaving. No, I can't do that. But two and a half weeks later, I said, I can do that. I'm out of here, you know. So literally, um, you know, funnily enough, the general manager of the hotel had left his um, and it was handed over to the executive assistant. So I had a chat with him and I said, look, I'm going to take a chance and um, I'm heading. I can't. I don't want to be staying here and taken to Baghdad or anything because then they were starting to round up people from hotels. So, long story short, in the middle of the night, two o'clock, we set up a convoy, um, drove into the desert. We did get stopped. Um, I mean, I literally. I mean, I got blonde hair, blue eyes. I had a, a shaler and a buyer. I had the dark glasses and everything in the back of the car thinking please don't come to this car um and you know thankfully uh, the people at the front were able to have a chat with this guy and give him some food and some water and he waved us on so we managed to get to the border and eventually i managed to call my parents who had not heard from me for three whole weeks to say hi I'm in Riyadh. My Kuwaiti dinar are worthless. I don't have a credit card. Please, can you send me some money? I want to come home. <laughs> so, um, so that, you know, and I said to my mum when I landed at the airport, please don't say I told you so. Because, you know, when your daughter says, oh, I'm going to go and work in Kuwait, you know, when you've been offered a job to lecture at the university where you graduated from and you choose to go and be a sports and recreation manager in Kuwait, it's like, do you know where that is? Do you know what you're letting yourself in for? And I thought, you know what? I can be a lecturer when I'm 50, 60, 70. You know, I was 27 at the time and just so super curious. So it was a big, steep learning curve. And I think I maybe aged about five years crossing that desert. But, you know, once you are in a safe haven, um, you know, that's when you then have to dust yourself down and say, now what? You know, I called Holiday in Worldwide. I said, I, I deserted my post. Please find me another one. I do want to work, but I don't want to work in a war-torn country. Um, and, uh, you know, they were very supportive. I ended up staying in the UK uh, for four years. And then the call back to the Middle East to go back to Kuwait. Can you imagine after going through that experience? It was just, you know, there's something in me that is drawn to this region, really. I think I, um, yeah. I must have some Middle Eastern blood. Although, no, I, I know I don't because I did that DNA ancestry test. Um, Great Britain, Europe, and Scandinavian. So where the Middle East comes in, I have no idea. But I consider this my home. I've lived now 
here for 26 years. Wow. Um, so more than a third of my life. Yeah. Wow. When you say it like that, that's that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, thank you for taking me back there because, Julie, I, I know we're, we have other things to talk about in this in the session that we have, the time that we have committed, but that sounded like a movie right there. That that whole scene, I mean, I could just see the the whole drama unfolding, the fear, the you yeah. know, being anxious, and what are they going to do? They're going to grab women and trade me for yeah. who knows what. I mean, honestly, I, I'm making a little bit light of it, but it, it must have been a really scary time for a 27-year-old. Yeah, yeah, it was actually. And something that, you know, stayed with me for quite some time. And then you just think, well, what did I learn from that about myself? You know, about taking a risk, taking decisions, um, counting on other people, you know, asking for help, you know, for support. And um, yeah, it actually set me, I mean, when I got back to the UK and eventually started applying for jobs, I'm sure the reason why I got many interviews, because on some of the application forms, it said, reason for leaving your last post. And I put, Iraqi invasion of Kuwait, I deserted my post. So people were like, oh, tell me more about that. You know, right. so it, got, it got me a few job interviews. And, right, okay, all right. Yeah. When we, we cross back over and we get you in back into Dubai, you yes. also mentioned that, um, your husband at the time had an aneurysm and he, he didn't come out of it. So that meant you were a widow yes. at a very yes. young age. Uh, 36. Okay. Yeah. And that was a, a huge, um, a huge tragedy really, because, you know, when you think of a professional sports people, you don't expect them to collapse. You certainly don't expect your husband to pass before, you know, with all respect to your parents, you know, I mean, you just don't expect that to happen. Um, so again, it was one of those pivotal uh, moments where, you know, well, at the time, I had to just focus on the practicalities. What do I need to do now? Who do I need to speak to? And of course, you know, it was the personal manager at the hotel. It was my parents in the UK. They flew out. You know, the personal manager came to me and we kind of eventually um, resolved some of, you know, like repatriation and no objection certificates and death certificates and everything. And that's really when um, I went on an inner journey really this inner explorer. I wasn't looking externally. I was really going inwards and thinking, you know, what does this actually mean to me now? What, wh where do I go from here? You know, I still had a job. Um, I mean, I spent some time in the UK and then I thought I can't just sit at home and just mope around like a lost puppy. I need to distract myself. And there's no right or wrong. People do different things. You know, maybe I could have gone off and walked the Camino, you know, a pilgrimage trail for a, a year and just wandered around. But um, I came back and I stayed in my job for a year. And then literally another bathroom mirror moment, you know, when you're there brushing your teeth and thinking, is this it? Is this what I'm destined for now? And um you know, that, that globe, that, you know, image of traveler and journeys and, and tears and a journal and everything. So I came up with this a big idea that I was going to go walk about in Australia. One of my friends had moved there and she said, if you ever want to come to Australia, let me know. And I let her know I'm coming to Australia. Um, so I went walk about, you know, I took a, a backpack and a journal and 
just wandered around Australia for a while and keeping a journal, keeping how I felt, how I would like to feel. You know, I feel sad. I want to feel joy again. I feel empty. I want to feel full. Um, and I think this was really good for me, MJ, because nobody knew me. And I, I was just in nature, soaking up that energy. And that was really, really part of my healing. And of course, the big healing was going to the mountain or being called to the mountain, really, when I saw it on a um, research trip. It just kept saying, Julie, Julie, you need to come to me, you know. And I get a lot of messages from nature, you know, from the mountain. And, and, and funnily enough, you know, 15 years after I first climbed that mountain, I went back to the same mountain and I literally said, what do you want me to know? Please guide me because I was in this kind of transitional space again. And that time the message was all around water because it was pouring it down with rain, um, which leads me into the story of attempting to swim across from England to France, the English Channel. So, you know, sometimes we act on these messages from nature and sometimes we think, well, maybe I should just put that one to bed. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think this is why I'm kind of tagged as the queen of resilience because, you know, you have these not, you know, uh, escape from the desert, held at gunpoint, blown off a mountain, uh, pulled out the English Channel, um, you know, widowed, all of these experiences that shape you, your character and what I've learned and grown from that. So that when things happen, um, you've got these reference frames, you know, when, and, and you can share those when I speak to organizations that want, you know, workshops or programs on resilience, what is resilience? You know, and it's, it's, it's personal, it's, it's physical, it's mental, it's spiritual, it's emotional, it's financial. Um, and you can actually measure it. But then you can say when you're cold, tired and hungry, halfway up a mountain, what's going to keep you going to the top, you know? Um so that discipline, dedication, and drive. So, yeah, I, I real-time resilience and learning through some experiences, some really good ones, you know, where I've led teams to Antarctica and the Arctica and successful summits and, you know, um, remarried and very happy and lots of good, good stuff. It's not like, oh, this is me, you know, victim, victim. It's just, you know, it's a yin and yang. I've had so many ups. I've had some downs. I've had some plateaus. Um, and they're all experiences. You know, we only label them. That was really bad. That was great. That was good. It's, it's, it's what they are. You know, they're experiences. We learn something. And what people, what, and what lessons they got out of it. Like you, exactly. for example, decided to extract the, the lesson that would help you grow. Yes. It's like, what is the gift in this? Yes, it's awful, but I'm not the only woman who's lost her husband. I'm not the only woman who, um, escape from Kuwait. There was hundreds of people and some people stayed there, you know. So I think when you put it in perspective and you zoom out instead of coming in and thinking, oh no, no, why me, why me? If you zoom out and look at, you know, where you are, this tiny blip in the universe, this glitch kind of thing, then you think actually in the big picture, it's okay. You know? As my late mother in law would say, cowgirl up, you know, you get back on your horse and ride. <laughs> it's just, it seems very like harsh at the time. Um, and I'm by, by any means, I'm not saying, you know, when when somebody's lost somebody that they love, that, oh, just go and climb a mountain or just go walk about. No, the grieving process is different for everybody, sure. you know, and I, I know people can spiral down. I did myself. 
And then I thought, I've got to get back up again. You know, I'm still alive. I'm still a daughter. I'm still a sister. I'm still a friend. I'm still Julie. Um, so what am I going to do with this? Oh, the, the quote's coming up now from Mary Oliver. What will you do with this one wild, precious life of yours? Oh, I love that quote. I just saw it in the Nyad, you know, the documentary film about the woman who swam from um, Cuba to Florida after failing four times. Incredible. Yeah. And that triggered me, uh, <laughs> that particular movie, and that yeah. post triggered me. So, wait a minute. We need to get you on the show. I mean, they made <laughs> a movie about her. We need to get a movie about you. You, What you got is incredible. Oh, uh, you know, and it's... um. Yeah, and here I am, still in the Middle East, enjoying life, living life, flying out to Colorado in uh, 10 days' time to join uh, my husband in Steamboat Springs. Lots wow. and lots of snow. Yes. And, um, yeah, lots of things to kind of look forward to, really, kind of thinking about now, 2024, and the book, you know, the next book, Uncharted Waters, Discover Your Hidden Debt. So instead of looking up to the mountains for answers, you know, I've been swimming into the deep ocean of emotions and 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 thoughts and thinking, what do I want to say next? What do I want to share with the world? You know, and for me now, water is is my element. You know, I, I'm not saying I'm done in the mountains, but for me now, I feel such a strong connection to water and it's everything that it does for us. I mean, we can go without food for 30, 40 days. We can't go without water for more than three days. And of course, we can't go without air for two, three minutes. So, you know, these things, water and air that we take so for granted that we'd quickly know if they weren't around, you know. So this whole um, taking care of the planet, taking care of yourself is is kind of really kind of homing in on me now. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah, it seems like it is uh, a definitely a new new segue for you uh, because I actually yes. had you as as a mountaineer. I mean, come yes. on. You've been to Antarctica. You've been I still to am a mountaineer. I've got my ice axe. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I didn't even know icebreaker. I didn't even know how to pronounce yeah. Himalaya. You know, you yeah. know <laughs> what were you doing? And you know, yeah. when you said you took eighteen women uh, on that excursion. Had you ever gone there before yourself? No. And this is, you know, this is where you. There act we go. As if that as if you know i'm not saying fake it till you make it but i did a lot of research i had good people on the ground i asked lots of questions um and i just thought you know this could go one way or the other and thankfully it went really really well and 18 women made it all the way to everest base camp came back we did talks and i think really that kind of launched a little bit my speaking career because people wanted to see pictures they wanted to ask questions um, how did it feel? What did you eat? Did you feel the difference in the air? Were you were you struggling to breathe? Um, you know, tell me about it. And so I figured that, you know, this is a great path for me because I love traveling. I love meeting people. I like being in nature. I like being physical and I like telling stories. Um, so this is like the perfect segue into, yes. you know, out yeah. of the squash, the tennis, the gym and the aerobic studio into the mountains, the forest, the ocean, the deserts and, and the rivers. So it's really that kind of progression or evolution of the species. You know, Julie, you know, in school, in university, in, in, um, in the sports and fitness world, climbing a mountain and then really discovering this whole new world and saying, come with me, you know, give me a hand, let me take you. Um, you know, I mean, 
to the Antarctica, you know, three times. I mean, most people would never go there in a lifetime, oh. but to actually experience, you know, the, the bottom of the earth and the, the top of the earth and everything in between, it just makes you realize how how incredible this planet that we live in and and uh, we're part of that system, that ecosystem. So for me right now, the more experiences I can have and the more experiences I can share with other people to help them along their journey is much more important. You know, we were talking earlier about, you know, having big houses, flashy cars and all the wonderful things. It's like, no, give me experiences. I'm a lock and leave girl. I just need what I need. I travel light. I go, I experience, tell a story. And then it's, yeah, celebrating and integrating that. So, yeah. Well, I'm very hard to buy for for Christmas. People say, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, I want to go to the Galapagos Islands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I it's um you know or a, something to do with travel, something to do with personal development. You know, I'm I'm a minimalist. She says with globes and books and things hanging around right. of it. Right, right, right. I I saw a talk that you did. I, I think it was your your TEDx talk where you were actually holding a globe. Very well done, by the way. And Thank I just, you. I enjoyed the the whole metaphor of it and having the world in your hands and, mm. and, and that whole visualization that you went through as a young girl and then yes. with your dad, the stories and the games that you would play and the imaginary things that you would go through as a child. And then to see them manifest in your life, uh, exactly. as they have, it's just, wow. And then this is, you know, important, important message because people would say, but how could I ever do that? You know, this is my dream, but this is reality, you know, and if you can close your eyes and visualize and then take the steps and ask for help and, and really, really set that intention because that's what your heart and soul, not necessarily your head, but your heart and soul are calling for, then you'll find a way, you know, I mean, I love that expression, find a way, you know, what's your first step, you know? What's your next step? It's it's it sounds very super simple, but usually the things that are simple are the ones that work. <laughs> you know, life is complicated, so it's just easy. This is my dream. This is my goal, and you know, I'm going to need this, this, and this, and it's going to need this. It's going to need my head, my heart, and my gut. You know, that gut feeling. Take a chance. Take a chance. Just give it a go. Ask that person. Would you be able to help me? You know, and most people like helping each other. Yeah. I mean, uh, three weeks ago, I asked 17 people, this is very brave, if they would help me by reading um, the first draft of my book, Uncharted Waters, the manuscript. So I did a real Brenny Brown daring greatly and be very courageous and vulnerable. I said, read it. Let me know what you think. Whoa. <laughs> I spent uh, a week after that just processing and integrating, and I had 17 very diverse different perspectives. So it's going to add more juice and richness to something that was in my head um, that's now just expanded, expanded. So I think, you know, we all we often talk about, you know, keep it secret until it comes out. It's like, no, I've learned now, you know, ask for help, get people's perspective, bring in other different um uh, ideas, you know, is there something I've missed? And so I'm, I'm very, very happy the way that this book is kind of um, turning out. It's been a bit of a whitewater rafting journey with lots of twists and turns. And <laughs> I, I was gobsmacked 
when I found <laughs> out that you took 17 people out on a boat yeah. to have an editing party to take your yeah. book apart, I was what? I know. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's, right. That's gutsy. Right. Yeah, it is. It's much better than sending them a copy digitally and, and them reading it. You know, I mean, no, it was great. The weather that day was gorgeous. We're out on the water. It's a perfect. I highly encourage people to do that. You know, when you're beta testing or you're, you're wanting to kind of go to the next level, get get a few more people involved. You know, people that you love, trust, know. I mean, I had a jazz singer, a speaker on artificial intelligence, innovation, creativity. I had teachers, business coaches, entrepreneurs, um, uh, the, you know, the head of the book club, a head of uh, the writers group. So male, female, all different ages, all different nationalities. So how powerful is that? You know, to get that insight and wisdom to to kind of up level your own that's priceless it was definitely worth hiring the boat and saying come away i'll feed you i'll sail your way and then you come back and just give me these manuscripts back with all your notes and highlights and comments you know yeah it was very good yeah and good on you that you could actually read them digest them process them, <laughs> and leverage yeah. them because yeah. otherwise anybody else would be sticking pens in them like they were voodoo dolls yeah exactly oh i'm a terrible writer this is awful yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> here i, I toss just, my pen into the sea <laughs> yeah i just throw myself overboard now i'm done <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no it was very good and it will um it will be published next year um on my birthday yes i will give birth to a book on my birthday the seventh you of made April. another manifestation declaration I here just on made here, a commitment on the I real mission i possible show yes. you heard it first maybe not first but you definitely heard it loud no, first okay <laughs> even my publisher doesn't know yet <laughs> yes. well we're going to be able to put up the links and when we edit this and uh so that people can get in touch with you as a speaker yes. As an author and as an adventurer, uh, it's been incredible to just get a little glimpse of your uh, remarkable story, Julie. It's been an honor to have you and speak with you. I hope we can catch up and follow up after this. Uh, yes. Until then, I'd just like to say good luck with the book. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Have a great uh, ski holiday over there. And remember what your mother-in-law said. Don't ever forget, you got to cowgirl up. I'll go up. Yes. Thank you so, so much. Really loved um, connecting and all the best for the season. And here's to a fantastic 2024. Thank you. Totally. <laughs>